Section 16 of The Fair Maid of Perth or St. Valentine's Day. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Fair Maid of Perth or St. Valentine's Day by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter 13, Part 2. The king again interfered to prevent the earl from giving an angry reply. "'Your lordship,' said he to Douglas, "'advises wisely that we should trust to arms when these men come out against our subjects on the fair and level plan. But the difficulty is to put a stop to their disorders while they continue to lurk within their mountains. I need not tell you that the clan Chatan and the clan Quahaly are great confederacies, consisting each of various tribes, who are banded together, each to support their own separate league, and who of late have had dissensions which have drawn blood wherever they have met, whether individually or in bands. The whole country is torn to pieces by their restless feuds. I cannot see the evil of this, said the Douglas. The ruffians will destroy each other, and the deer of the highlands will increase as the men diminish. We shall gain as hunters the exercise we lose as warriors. Rather say that the wolves will increase as the men diminish, replied the king. I am content, said Douglas, better wild wolves than wild catarans. Let there be strong forces maintained along the Irish frontier, to separate the quiet from the disturbed country, confine the fire of civil war within the highlands, let it spend its uncontrolled fury, and it will be soon burnt out for want of fuel. The survivors will be humbled, and will be more obedient to a whisper of your grace's pleasure than their fathers, or the knaves that now exist have been to your strictest commands. This is wise but ungodly counsel, said the prior, shaking his head. I cannot take it upon my conscience to recommend it. It is wisdom, but it is the wisdom of Achitophel, crafty at once and cruel." "'My heart tells me so,' said the king, laying his hand on his breast. "'My heart tells me that it will be asked of me at the awful day. "'Robert Stuart, where are the subjects I have given thee? "'It tells me that I must account for them all, Saxon and Gael, "'lowland, highland, and borderman, "'that I will not be required to answer for those alone "'who have wealth and knowledge, but for those also who were robbers because they were poor, and rebels because they were ignorant. Your Highness speaks like a Christian king, said the prior, but you bear the sword as well as the sceptre, and this present evil is of a kind which the sword must cure. Hark ye, my lords, said the prince, looking up as if a gay thought had suddenly struck him, suppose we teach these savage mountaineers a strain of chivalry. It were no hard matter to bring these two great commanders, the captain of the clan Chatan and the chief of the no less doughty race of the clan Quaheli, to defy each other to mortal combat. They might fight here in Perth. We would lend them horse and armor." thus their feud would be staunched by the death of one or probably both of the villains for i think both would break their necks in the first charge 
my father's godly desire of saving blood would be attained and we should have the pleasure of seeing such a combat between two savage knights for the first time in their lives wearing breeches and mounted on horses as had not been heard of since the days of king arthur shame upon you david said the king do you make the distress of your native country and the perplexity of our councils a subject for buffoonery if you will pardon me royal brother said albany i think that though my princely nephew hath started this thought in a jocular manner there may be something wrought out of it which might greatly remedy this pressing evil good brother replied the king it is unkind to expose rothsay's folly by pressing further his ill-timed jest we know the highland clans have not our customs of chivalry nor the habit or mode of doing battle which these require true your grace answered albany yet i speak not in scorn but in serious earnest true the mountaineers have not our forms and mode of doing battle in the lists but they have those which are as effectual to the destruction of human life and so that the mortal game is played and the stake won and lost what signifies it whether these gale fight with sword and lance as becomes belted knights or with sandbags like the crestless churls of england or butcher each other with knives and skeins in their own barbarous fashion their habits like our own refer all disputed rights and claims to the decision of battle they are as vain too as they are fierce and the idea that these two clans would be admitted to combat in presence of your grace and of your court will readily induce them to refer their difference to the fate of battle even were such rough arbitrament less familiar to their customs and that in any such numbers as shall be thought most convenient we must take care that they approach not the court save in such a fashion and number that they shall not be able to surprise us and that point being provided against the more that shall be admitted to combat upon either side the greater will be the slaughter among their bravest and most stirring men and the more the chance of the highlands being quiet for some time to come this were a bloody policy brother said the king and again i say that i cannot bring my conscience to countenance the slaughter of these rude men that are so little better than so many benighted heathens and are their lives more precious asked albany than those of nobles and gentlemen who by your grace's license are so frequently admitted to fight in barris either for the satisfying of disputes at law or simply to acquire honour the king thus hard-pressed had little to say against a custom so engrafted upon the laws of the realm and the uses of chivalry as the trial by combat and he only replied god knows i have never granted such license as you urge me with unless with the greatest repugnance and that i never saw men have strife together to the effusion of blood but i could have wished to appease it with the shedding of my own but my gracious lord said the prior it seems that if we follow not some such policy as this of my lord of albany we must have recourse to that of the douglas and at the risk of the dubious event of battle and with the certainty of losing many excellent subjects do by means of the lowland swords that which these wild mountaineers will otherwise perform with their own hand what says my lord of douglas to the policy of his grace of albany 
douglas said the haughty lord never counselled that to be done by policy which might be attained by open force he remains by his opinion and is willing to march at the head of his own followers with those of the barons of perthshire and the carse and either bring these highlanders to reason or subjection or leave the body of a douglas among their savage wildernesses it is nobly spoken my lord of douglas said albany and well might the king rely upon thy undaunted heart and the courage of thy resolute followers but see you not how soon you may be called elsewhere where your presence and services are altogether indispensable to scotland and her monarch marked you not the gloomy tone in which the fiery march limited his allegiance and faith to our sovereign here present to that space for which he was to remain king robert's vassal and did not you yourself suspect that he was plotting a transference of his allegiance to england other chiefs of subordinate power and inferior fame may do battle with the highlanders but if dunbar admit the percys and their englishmen into our frontiers who will drive them back if the douglas be elsewhere my sword answered douglas is equally at the service of his majesty on the frontier or in the deepest recesses of the highlands i have seen the backs of the proud percy and george of dunbar ere now and i may see them again and if it is the king's pleasure i should take measures against this probable conjunction of stranger and traitor i admit that rather than trust to an inferior or feebler hand the important task of settling the highlands i would be disposed to give my opinion in favour of the policy of my lord of albany and suffer those savages to carve each other's limbs without giving barons and knights the trouble of hunting them down my lord of douglas said the prince who seemed determined to omit no opportunity to gall his haughty father-in-law does not choose to leave to us lowlanders even the poor crumbs of honour which might be gathered at the expense of the highland kern while he with his border chivalry reaps the full harvest of victory over the english but percy hath seen men's backs as well as douglas and i have known as great wonders as that he who goes forth to seek such wool should come back shorn a phrase said douglas well becoming a prince who speaks of honour with a wandering harlot's scrip in his bonnet by way of favour excuse it my lord said rothsay men who have matched unfittingly become careless in the choice of those whom they love paramours the chained dog must snatch at the nearest bone rothsay my unhappy son exclaimed the king art thou mad or wouldst thou draw down on thee the full storm of a king and father's displeasure i am dumb returned the prince at your grace's command well then my lord of albany said the king since such is your advice and since scottish blood must flow how i pray you are we to prevail on these fierce men to refer their quarrel to such a combat as you propose that my liege said albany must be the result of more mature deliberation but the task will not be difficult gold will be needful to bribe some of the bards and principal counsellors and spokesmen the chiefs moreover of both these leagues must be made to understand that unless they agree to this amicable settlement amicable brother said the king with emphasis 
i amicable my liege replied his brother since it is better the country were placed in peace at the expense of losing a score or two of highland kerns than remain at war till as many thousands are destroyed by sword fire famine and all the extremities of mountain battle to return to the purpose, I think that the first party to whom the accommodation is proposed will snatch at it eagerly, that the other will be ashamed to reject an offer to rest the cause on the swords of their bravest men, that the national vanity and factious hate to each other will prevent them from seeing our purpose in adopting such a rule of decision, and that they will be more eager to cut each other to pieces than we can be to halloo them on and now as our counsels are finished so far as i can aid i will withdraw stay yet a moment said the prior for i also have a grief to disclose of a nature so black and horrible that your grace's pious heart will hardly credit its existence and i state it mournfully because as certain as that i am an unworthy servant of st dominic it is the cause of the displeasure of heaven against this poor country by which our victories are turned into defeat our gladness into mourning our counsels distracted with disunion and our country devoured by civil war speak reverend prior said the king assuredly if the cause of such evils be in me or in my house i will take instant care to their removal he uttered these words with a faltering voice, and eagerly waited for the prior's reply, in the dread, no doubt, that it might implicate Rothsay in some new charge of folly or vice. His apprehensions perhaps deceived him, when he thought he saw the churchman's eye rest for a moment on the prince, before he said in a solemn tone, "'Heresy, my noble and gracious liege, heresy is among us she snatches soul after soul from the congregation as wolves steal lambs from the sheepfold there are enough of shepherds to watch the fold answered the duke of rothsay here are four convents of regular monks alone around this poor hamlet of perth and all the secular clergy besides methinks a town so well garrisoned should be fit to keep out an enemy one traitor in a garrison my lord answered the prior can do much to destroy the security of a city which is guarded by legions and if that one traitor is either from levity or love of novelty or whatever other motive protected and fostered by those who should be most eager to expel him from the fortress his opportunities of working mischief will be incalculably increased your words seem to aim at some one in this presence father prior said the douglas if at me they do me foul wrong i am well aware that the abbot of aberbrothock hath made some ill-advised complaints that i suffered not his beeves to become too many for his pastures or his stock of grain to burst the girnels of the monastery while my followers lacked beef and their horses corn but bethink you the pastures and cornfields which produced that plenty were bestowed by my ancestors on the house of aberbrothock surely not with the purpose that their descendant should starve in the midst of it and neither will he by saint bride but for heresy and false doctrine he added striking his large hand heavily on the council table who is it that dare tax the douglas i would not have poor men burned for silly thoughts but my hand and sword are ever ready to maintain the christian faith 
my lord i doubt it not said the prior so hath it ever been with your most noble house for the abbot's complaints they may pass to a second day for what we now desire is a commission to some noble lord of state joined to others of holy church to support by strength of hand if necessary the inquiries which the reverend official of the bounds and other grave prelates my unworthy self being one are about to make into the cause of the new doctrines which are now deluding the simple and depraving the pure and precious faith approved by the holy father and his reverend predecessors let the earl of douglas have a royal commission to this effect said albany and let there be no exception whatever from his jurisdiction saving the royal person for my own part although conscious that i have neither in act nor thought received or encouraged a doctrine which holy church hath not sanctioned yet i should blush to claim an immunity under the blood royal of scotland lest i should seem to be seeking refuge against a crime so horrible i will have now to do with it said douglas to march against the english and the southron traitor march is task enough for me moreover i am a true scotsman and will not give way to aught that may put the church of scotland's head farther into the roman yoke or make the baron's coronet stoop to the mitre and cowl do you therefore most noble duke of albany place your own name in the commission and i pray your grace so to mitigate the zeal of the men of holy church who may be associated with you that there be no overzealous dealings for the smell of a faggot on the tay would bring back the douglas from the walls of york the duke hastened to give the earl assurance that the commission should be exercised with lenity and moderation without a question said king robert the commission must be ample and did it consist with the dignity of our crown we would not ourselves decline its jurisdiction but we trust that while the thunders of the church are directed against the vile authors of these detestable heresies there shall be measures of mildness and compassion taken with the unfortunate victims of their delusions such is ever the course of holy church my lord said the prior of st dominic's why then let the commission be expedited with due care in name of our brother albany and such others as shall be deemed convenient said the king and now once again let us break up our council and rothsay come thou with me and lend me thine arm i have matter for thy private ear oh la here exclaimed the prince in the tone in which he would have addressed a managed horse what means this rudeness boy said the king wilt thou never learn reason and courtesy let me not be thought to offend my liege said the prince but we are parting without learning what is to be done in the passing strange adventure of the dead hand which the douglas hath so gallantly taken up we shall sit but uncomfortably here at perth if we are at variance with the citizens leave that to me said albany with some little grant of lands and money and plenty of fair words the burghers may be satisfied for this time but it were well that the barons and their followers who are in attendance on the court were warned to respect the peace within burg surely we would have it so said the king let strict orders be given accordingly it is doing the churls but too much grace said the douglas but be it at your highness's pleasure i take leave to retire 
"'Not before you taste a flagon of Gascon wine, my lord,' said the king. "'Pardon,' replied the earl, "'I am not a thirst, and I drink not for fashion, but either for need or for friendship.' So saying, he departed. The king, as if relieved by his absence, turned to Albany and said, "'And now, my lord, we should chide this truant Rothsay of ours, yet he hath served us so well at council, that we must receive his merits as some atonement for his follies.' "'I am happy to hear it,' answered Albany, with a countenance of pity and incredulity, as if he knew nothing of the supposed services. "'Nay, brother, you are dull,' said the king, "'for I will not think you envious. Did you not note that Rothsay was the first to suggest the mode of settling the highlands, which your experience brought indeed into better shape?' and which was generally approved of, and even now we had broken up, leaving a main matter unconsidered, but that he put us in mind of the affray of the citizens. "'I nothing doubt, my liege,' said the Duke of Albany, with the acquiescence which he saw was expected, "'that my royal nephew will soon emulate his father's wisdom.' "'Or,' said the Duke of Rothsay, "'I may find it easier to borrow from another member of my family "'that happy and comfortable cloak of hypocrisy, "'which covers all vices, "'and then it signifies little whether they exist or not?' "'My Lord Prior,' said the Duke, addressing the Dominican, "'we will for a moment pray your reverence's absence. "'The King and I have that to say to the Prince, "'which must have no further audience, not even yours.' "'The Dominican bowed and withdrew.' When the two royal brothers and the prince were left together, the king seemed in the highest degree embarrassed and distressed, Albany sullen and thoughtful, while Rothsay himself endeavored to cover some anxiety under his usual appearance of levity. There was a silence of a minute. At length Albany spoke. "'Royal brother,' he said, "'my princely nephew entertains with so much suspicion any admonition coming from my mouth that I must pray your grace yourself to take the trouble of telling him what it is most fitting he should know.' "'It must be some unpleasing communication indeed, which my lord of Albany cannot wrap up in honeyed words,' said the prince." "'Peace with thine effrontery, boy,' answered the king passionately. "'You asked but now of the quarrel with the citizens. "'Who caused that quarrel, David? "'What men were those who scaled the window of a peaceful citizen and liege man, "'alarmed the night with torch and outcry, "'and subjected our subjects to danger and affright?' "'More fear than danger, I fancy,' answered the prince. "'But how can I of all men tell who made this nocturnal disturbance?' "'There was a follower of thine own there,' continued the king, "'a man of Belial, whom I will have brought to condign punishment.' "'I have no follower, to my knowledge, "'capable of deserving your highness's displeasure,' answered the prince. "'I will have no evasions, boy. "'Where wert thou on St. Valentine's Eve?' "'It is to be hoped that I was serving the good saint "'as a man of mould might,' answered the young man carelessly." "'Will my royal nephew tell us how his master of the horse was employed upon that holy eve?' said the Duke of Albany. "'Speak, David, I command thee to speak,' said the king. "'Ramorny was employed in my service. I think that answer may satisfy my uncle.' 
but it will not satisfy me said the angry father god knows i never coveted man's blood but that ramorny's head i will have if law can give it he has been the encourager and partaker of all thy numerous vices and follies i will take care he shall be so no more call MacLewis with a guard do not injure an innocent man interposed the prince desirous at every sacrifice to preserve his favourite from the menaced danger i pledge my word that ramorny was employed in business of mine therefore could not be engaged in this brawl false equivitor that thou art said the king presenting to the prince a ring behold the signet of ramorny lost in the infamous affray it fell into the hands of a follower of the douglas and was given by the earl to my brother speak not for ramorny for he dies and go thou from my presence and repent the flagitious counsels which could make thee stand before me with a falsehood in thy mouth o oh, shame david shame as a son thou hast lied to thy father as a knight to the head of thy order the prince stood mute conscience struck and self-convicted he then gave way to the honourable feelings which at bottom he really possessed and threw himself at his father's feet the false knight he said deserves degradation the disloyal subject death but oh let the son crave from the father pardon for the servant who did not lead him into guilt but who reluctantly plunged himself into it at his command let me bear the weight of my own folly but spare those who have been my tools rather than my accomplices remember ramorny was preferred to my service by my sainted mother name her not david i charge thee said the king she is happy that she never saw the child of her love stand before her doubly dishonoured by guilt and by falsehood i am indeed unworthy to name her said the prince and yet my dear father in her name i must petition for ramorny's life if i might offer my counsel said the duke of albany who saw that a reconciliation would soon take place betwixt the father and son i would advise that ramorny be dismissed from the prince's household and society with such further penalty as his imprudence may seem to merit the public will be contented with his disgrace and the matter will be easily accommodated or stifled so that his highness do not attempt to screen his servant wilt thou for my sake david said the king with a faltering voice and a tear in his eye dismiss this dangerous man for my sake who could not refuse thee the heart out of my bosom it shall be done my father done instantly the prince replied and seizing the pen he wrote a hasty dismissal of ramorny from his service and put it into albany's hands i would i could fulfil all your wishes as easily my royal father he added again throwing himself at the king's feet who raised him up and fondly folded him in his arms albany scowled but was silent and it was not till after the space of a minute or two that he said this matter being so happily accommodated let me ask if your majesty is pleased to attend the evensong service in the chapel surely said the king have i not thanks to pay to god who has restored union to my family you will go with us brother so please your grace to give me leave of absence no said the duke i must concert with the douglas and others the manner in which we may bring these highland vultures to our lure 
albany retired to think over his ambitious projects while the father and son attended divine service to thank god for their happy reconciliation end of section sixteen